0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Final Four. is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And we are back to preview the second meeting with Purdue um, today, but Rod, a little bit of disappointing news, I guess, to start off with on um, uh, Bowache. What have you heard about about him?
2: Well, he he decommitted from MSU today, and from what the way it appears, it doesn't look like this is one of those where he says, "Yeah, but they're still in the mix." It looks like MSU was out. Um, He listed a lot of major programs. Duke and Kentucky were there. I can't recall who else. Oklahoma State was another one. Um, And his his stated reason was that with the kind of season Michigan State's having, it looks to him like they're not going to be losing anybody, and so he wants to go somewhere. He has a chance to play major minutes right away. Now, there's a few ways of looking at that. (laughs) Um, One is, given the struggles that Michigan State has had, if you really believe in yourself, why would you look at what they've trotted out this year and think, well, I can't play in front of those guys? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, that's that, that's really questionable in a sense. On the other hand, it is a lot of bodies. There, there's no two ways about it. I mean, Michigan State has a ton of post players. Um, I think that, you know, I got to be honest, I wasn't convinced that he would come in and be a starter immediately anyway. Um, I haven't seen him live. So all I've gone off of, he was a five-star in the 2022 class. The thinking was he would possibly reclassify. Um, I think seeing this decision, it seems even more definite that reclassification is in his future. Because if he was going to stay 2022, well, none of that stuff matters.
1: Yeah. You,
2: at a minimum, you'd have Bainum um, and Kithier most likely gone. Um, you know, Hauser as well. I mean, it, it just, it just wouldn't be an issue. So I don't know. I read the article and he talked about analyzing the playing time situation. and He used the words "my people. Now I don't know anything about it. This is not a recruitment I had any insight into really. Um, from people I know, um, I can't say what the situation is or isn't. I'm certainly not suggesting that, you know, there's money involved or that, you know, there's nefarious intent on anybody's part. But Canadian recruits, as a generality, have tended to be um, complicated. Mm-hmm. And you can read that any way you like, but that's the reality of it. And there's a reason why Michigan State hasn't really landed any of these guys, and most of them, they haven't even recruited, despite the, pro- the relative proximity to the Toronto area where most of these guys come from. Um, the handful they've recruited, they recruited, uh, the Murray kid who went to Kentucky and is now a star with the Nuggets. Um, and, uh, they recruited Karim Manet last year from Montreal. Not a lot of other guys. And, there's a reason for that so it just made me pause when i read that look it's been a huge story. with, with given what the season has been like coming on the heels of this Iowa blowout out loss at home um all of that uh you know i understand why it's impacting msu fans the way it is but um i don't know that i think that this is an earth shaking loss mhm um, he could be a very good player. He could turn out that way. Um, but, I, just based off, based off the highlights, um, I didn't see, you know, there's certain big men that you look at. Um, Nick Warren was a good example of it. I could watch Nick Ward play for five minutes in AAU and immediately know that he was going to be a guy who could make an impact right away. Mm hmm. Not that he would necessarily be an All-American, but he, that was a kid who you could put on the court as a freshman, and he was going to be able to do some things because he had one element that will make you productive, and that is a post game and a body to go with it. Man. You know, he had that. I didn't see that stuff in Boche. I saw certainly more more skill development than say Matty Sissoko, but closer to the Sissoko line than the. Sophisticated, developed post player um, side of the spectrum, you know, and so maybe he will come in as a freshman and be an immediate impact guy. It's entirely possible, Um, but you know, he was one that I thought was interesting uh, because it gave you another option down there. It gave you another body, and the idea was with he and Sissoko as a one-two punch, maybe you would really, really have something athletically, lengthwise, all of that. Um but regardless, it doesn't really matter why he's not going to be at MSU, it appears. So um, that creates a situation potentially for next year. Now despite what he said, you know, as it stands, I would be kind of surprised if there's not some roster attrition. Mm-hmm. I just think there're going to be and, and a lot of dialogue and discussion today there's a certain segment of the MSU fan base that is in complete meltdown mode and hopes that Izzo runs everybody off the roster. It's, that's not going to happen. Put that nonsense out of your mind. That's not how this program's ever been built. It's not what it's about. It's not going to be the case. Um, I do think that there are going to be some guys that will be told the truth and say, look, you know, it's possible you don't have a big role going forward here because of X, Y, or Z, you know? Uh, my, currently, uh, my thought would be that out of that post group, the guy that would seem to me most likely to leave would be Julius Marble, because uh, I just don't think he's close to being playable at a, an MSU level in the ways that he needs to be, whereas the, all the other guys... I can point to and say, well, there's something there. You know, Marcus Bingham has made some strides. Kithier is reliable. He is what he is. Sissoko still has vast potential physically. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that stuff. I, I don't see it for Julius Marble right now, unless some major some things change majorly. And it's pretty rare that a guy who struggles as much defensively as he has earlier in his career gets it later in the post. I, I can't. I'm trying to think of an example of that happening. I can't think of one. They they managed to get a guy like Marquise Gray roughly serviceable as a veteran, as a senior, but mm-hmm. it was a long way from being good. Um, you know, and that's the closest example I can think of it. I think of guys like Delco Rowley that just never got it. Uh-huh. Um so that would be my guess, but if that happens, if there is attrition, and there could be other guys too, you know, some of those other guys could just decide that they have had enough, or they have a better opportunity somewhere else. They want a different environment. That all of that's on the table. So, I do think this opens up the possibility of Michigan State electing to go into the transfer market, which might actually not be a bad thing. It depends on who you can get, and and honestly, I you know it used to be for several years running after the grad transfer thing came in vogue. Around about mid to late December, I would do a, a post if there was a position that it looked like Michigan State had a potential need in, uh-huh. like last year point guards, um, and looked at where there were candidates for it. Where were their fourth year juniors who at that position who might be a candidate? Uh, I haven't even bothered because it's going to be the Wild West this year. So mm-hmm. you can't begin to narrow down who might be available, who might be a candidate for a spot. So it's just something to watch. I think that, um, Michigan State would probably be well served to be active in whatever market there is for fives. Um, and, you know, who knows how that will turn out. <laughs> Because, again, at Michigan State, you've got to do things defensively for it to work, and, you know, that's a crapshoot. I don't know. Not every program puts the emphasis on that, that MSU does. On the other hand, how hard is it going to be to find guys who are doing it better than what MSU's done this year? Mm. Uh, you know, I don't know. But that's the way it, it plays out. I would – I understand – the impulse in some to jump off the nearest bridge, uh, I wouldn't, for obvious reasons. But also, even for basketball reasons, I don't think this has. I don't think it says a thing about Amani Bates. Doesn't mm-hmm. say anything about that. That's we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. I still, as I look at it, I don't see a lot of other options for him, other than going to college. And nobody else in college has recruited him. So I I just don't see where else he goes. The only option right now that would seem viable would be going overseas to play professionally. And I just, there's no indication that that's in their game plan. Mm-hmm. So I would just caution, again, caution people, as bad as it is right now, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, most likely. <laughs> and, <laughs> and... uh you know, tomorrow'll be a better day.
0: All right, well, uh, uh Purdue comes in uh, thirteen and eight, eight and six in the league, twenty second in Kempom. Um but the first time Michigan State met Purdue, uh it was it seemed like Michigan State had control of that game for the most part and sort of let it slip away at the end a little bit. Um but since then a huge amount. Yeah. I mean, they clearly look like they should have won that game.
2: They had a 17 point lead in the second half. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And since then, then they went on a three game win streak. they beat Indiana. They beat Penn state. They beat Ohio state at Ohio state. Uh, and then they get a loss to Michigan. They beat Minnesota. They lose by one to Maryland, beat Northwestern and then lose to Minnesota. So that's where they're at now. Um, how do you look at Purdue uh, since since then?
2: Vastly improved. Coming mm-hmm. into that first MSU game, they were tied with Michigan State at two and three in the league, and I, I think the Ken Palm numbers were separated by one, something like that. They were teams with roughly similar profiles. Uh, since that time, in most ways, Purdue has gotten a lot better.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, 29th on offense, 27th on defense. So yeah, The, the defense in
2: particular has improved a lot. Mm-hmm. The offense has gotten a little better. The defense has gotten a lot better. I think it was in the 50s when I MSU played the first time.
0: Yeah. Um, effective field goal percentage, 144th nationally. Um, only 33.9% from the three and 128 from the two. Yeah, the the three-point
2: shooting is the one thing that's declined. They were sitting at about 38% as a team when MSU saw them the first time. I I still think it's a dangerous team from three Mm -hmm. because they have some guys that can get hot. But, yeah, that's the one thing that's ticked
0: down. Uh, And then they're having some issues with turnovers, Um, 178th in turnover percentage.
2: Yeah, but they've gotten better as an offensive rebounding team. They shoot free throws better now. That was a real problem for them. They were like at 68% Yeah, as a that's team. Right. They're all the way up near 73 now. So they've gotten a lot better there. It's most things they've just gotten a little better.
0: Uh, on defense, they're forty or uh, 42 in rebounding, um, but they haven't been good in limiting uh, opponents' shooting success. 154 in effective field goal percentage against 181 and twos against.
2: Yeah, they've been better against threes and doing a nice job of ending possessions. So that's definitely the strength. Um, they're not a big turnover generating defense. That's not what they do. Um, they're just going to guard you um, and uh, you know try to get you to take shots you don't want to take. Uh, and they do a pretty good job at that. Again, that's gotten a little better since MSU saw them the first time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they're a little bit different team because, um, you know, Jaden Ivey was just coming back from an injury at that point. His his shooting numbers don't wow you, but he's already had, I think it was last week, he was Big Ten Freshman of the Week. So he's coming on, and he was just coming back from injury the first game. Now he's a different guy, and he's lengthened that bench and I think giving them a different dimension physically on the perimeter because he's athletic, he's got good size on the wing at about six four. He can do a lot of things, and so that's just changed this team in my opinion. That and uh, Trevion Williams has gotten better. He was mm-hmm. good before. He's gotten better since then. So he gives them a real go-to guy in the post.
0: Uh, So Eric Hunter, 6'3", junior, 9.7 points a game, 37 from the floor, 27 and 90 from the line. uh, And he's getting about 3.2 assists per game. Uh, Yeah,
2: he's the closest thing they have to a true point guard. You know, Purdue runs a motion offense, which doesn't really necessitate a pure point guard the way a lot of other systems do. But he's the closest thing they've got to that. It's having a decent year, but the, the perimeter shooting's been a disappointment, and he's one of the reasons that that team number from three has declined a bit, even during this stretch of play where they've been relatively good. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then Sasha Stefanovic, 6'6", uh, six, six, 10.1 points a game, 43 from the floor, 43 from three, 82 from the line.
2: Um, he sat out some games due to covid uh um, policy, yeah, he's declined a little bit as a three-point shooter since coming back, but he's still pretty dangerous, and he's he's one of the reasons why I still think you start defending Purdue by trying to hold down the perimeter because he's a guy that can get it going, and he's such a such a good shooter that you know you can find yourself in real trouble. And then they've got other guys. Hunter would be an example of this, where the numbers don't look good, but He's shown enough over the years that I would be. If you're giving him shots, if MSU's defending this the way they defended Iowa, Eric Hunter very easily could be your Connor McCaffrey.
1: But mm-hmm.
2: just sits there and takes open shots and goes four for six. So they've got enough from the perimeter that MSU's got to be cognizant of it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, Brandon Newman, another guy, six five redshirt freshman, um, who's been a big. Con- Big contributor for them. Um, 9.5 points a game, 42, 43 from three, uh, and 96 from the line. Yep. So he's yeah, been on, on a tear.
2: Yeah, dangerous player. You know they've, they've got some guys in that perimeter group. Their freshman class, they're they're really happy with, and they should be, because when you've got true freshmen uh, like Ivy, and then you add in redshirt freshmen like Newman, and gillis oh and then Edie, as well as a true freshman it's mm-hmm. a really good class you know matt painter's got the, probably what looks like the core of a another good group that's going to keep purdue relevant you know as as we go forward mm-hmm.
0: uh and then mason gillis 6 8 fresh uh redshirt freshman 5.4 points a game 3.9 rebounds 49 from the floor 35 from 379 from the line
2: yeah not not a high volume player but just a you know, good enough shooter that he forces you to, you, know, you could stretch your defense a little bit. Um, rebounds okay. You know, he's not he's not spectacular, but he's given them steady play where they really didn't have it last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Trevion Williams, 6'9", 250, junior, um, scoring and rebounding as he leads the team. Fifteen point eight points a game, nine point six rebounds. Uh, 52% from the floor, 53 at the line. Uh, yeah, but that's
2: up from 46% going into the first game. <laughs>
0: yeah, And
2: if you remember, he hit enough free throws against MSU that it it was a problem. Um, he's having a great year. I mean, he's just – he's become I, – I was a fan of his in high school. I thought, you know, at Detroit Henry Ford Academy, he he was, to me – the prototypical Michigan State five-man as a, as a low-post scorer. Um, this has been a well-discussed uh, recruitment in terms of how that went. For quite a while, Michigan State was perceived to be the place that he would end up at. And then he hurt his foot, I think, very early in his junior year of high school. He was already a guy who was going to need to do a lot of work on his body but it got ridiculous while he sat out that year. I saw him; he was just back in time to play AAU, and I saw him that spring, and it was like Derek Nix at Pershing Bad, <laughs> so far out of shape it was really bad. And that, I think MSU had some doubts about how committed he was, and then to his body, and then Marcus Bingham just exploded and that led Michigan State to kind of shift their emphasis. They offered Bingham, they got him, and Trevion Williams then did a very smart thing. He went to the other program in the Big Ten that I think has proven to be willing to use post players like him properly um, and also has proven capable of getting guys into shape, and that's Purdue. And his career has been fantastic. You look at him now in his junior year, he's having an all big 10 caliber season, almost averaging a double double. Um, you know, he's at this point, you know, I would say he's having really the kind of year that Nick Ward never even had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's gone beyond that. You know, this is really, you know, it's been a while since Michigan State has had a post player put up the number. I think Xavier Tillman as a junior was a better all-around player, certainly. But as a pure low-post scorer, rebounder type, it's been a long time since MSU said a guy as productive as Trevion Williams has been this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then they got Zach Eady coming off the bench, 7'4", 285-pound freshman. Um who had played hockey. (laughs) We'd mentioned that before in the first one. And baseball, too. And baseball. Um, Eight points a game, 4.1 rebounds in about 14 and a half minutes. Um, So 57% from the floor, 73% from the line. Uh, And he's getting a block a
2: game. Yeah, his shooting from the floor has declined a little bit since the first game. Um, He was up around 62% at that point. I think that's just to be expected, even for as big as he is. Dealing with Big Ten physicality uh for the first time is a challenge, and it's a shock. Mm. And I think that's had, uh, you know, teams have figured out ways to make it a little harder on him, but still a very productive freshman year. There's no doubt about that. Exactly what Purdue needed after Matt Harms decided to transfer. I mean, mm. they really needed this kid to be ready to go, and he was.
0: Uh, and then Isaiah Thompson, six one sophomore, four point five points a game, forty four from the floor, forty three from three, seventy six uh, from the line.
2: Yeah, n- not a high volume shooter, but a capable shooter. And I think he's right on track to have the same kind of career as older brother PJ did, where you know he's in a point guard's body, really a shooting guard's game, but a good shooter and um, you know solid defensively. Just gives him a lot of you know, different elements.
0: Uh, and then jaden ivy um highly regarded six4 freshman um he was come on late averaging five point or eight point5 points a game 36 from the floor only 19 percent from three uh 68 percent from the line
2: yeah as i mentioned he was recently named big Ten freshman of the week um his scoring is way up and uh three-point shot still hasn't gotten dialed in yet but the other parts of his game you're starting to see now why he was regarded he's had a a, a weird year because he was hurt um he didn't play early on and so it's been a little bit of an uphill struggle but i think it's just about now that you're starting to see him really getting comfortable again and the performances are, are showing why he was
0: so he was regarded the way he was yeah um and then aaron wheeler 6'9 junior 3.3 points a game four 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 and a half rebounds 35 20 and 44
2: yeah, he's lost his starting job to Gillis and I, I just think, you know, he had a really strong second half of his freshman year. Um that year that uh you know, two years ago that pretty went to the Elite Eight behind mm-hmm. uh, Carson Edwards. And they really thought they had lightning in a bottle with him. He was shooting the three extremely well. He's long and give him some rebounding, give him some defense. And he just had he had a terrible season last year. He struggled this year, his minutes he's still playing. But they're down a little bit. Um I think he's this is who he's gonna be mm. at this I think that's what you have to conclude. Is he's he's gonna play a role off the bench, but Gillis has just been more consistent and more productive.
0: Uh and then Ethan Morton, six five freshman wing, um, getting about ten minutes a game, but just under a point per game, twenty five percent overall and twenty nine percent from three.
2: Yeah, a, a guy who came in as with a rep is more of a playmaker than a pure shooter. And he's kind of lived up to that. Um, you know, not playing a huge role, but getting spot minutes here and there more of a guy for the future, I think. Mm.
0: Uh, and then Rod, if we look at the keys, um, perimeter defense, uh, Purdue has a lot of guys that can shoot, you know, right around 43%. Um, is that yeah, what you're looking to try to contain? Yeah,
2: it's it's what I'm saying. You know, Their overall three-point shooting is not great. But in part, that's because of guys who have been volume shooters. You know, like Hunter's having a rough year, right? Mm-hmm. Wheeler's having a rough year. Ivy's having a rough year. So those guys are holding that percentage down, but they still have players, Stefanovic, Thompson. They still have guys uh, that can bust you. And I... I just think, you know, I know that Trevion Williams went wild in the second half of that first game, so people were screaming about why MSU didn't do anything differently. Well, part of the reason for that is I think you saw what can happen in that Iowa game. And I certainly hope that we do not see Michigan State tilt its defense to where they're doubling Trevion Williams consistently. You want to flash a quick, a quick show of a double, and then get out of it. okay, that's one thing is keep in mind Garza is a better player, but Trevion Williams is a much better passer than Garza. If you double Trevion Williams, he will find people. Mm-hmm. there's no doubt and and that then means you're left hoping that guys miss open shots. That's not exactly a great position to be in as a defense so i I still think despite the fact that Purdue's overall three-point effectiveness is not where it was coming into the first game, I still think that's where you have to start. You have to try to limit what they do from three and work from there as opposed to concentrating on the interior and just kind of praying that they miss threes.
0: Uh, and then rebounding. Did yeah, they, re- they got- rebounded, Michigan State did in this first one, but not by a ton.
2: No, but Purdue's gotten a little better than they were at that point, mm-hmm. defensively especially, well, offensively too. They've gotten they've gotten better at both ends. Um, it's not an elite Purdue rebounding team. They've had some great ones in recent years. This is this is not that, but Michigan State uh, needs to be able to compete on the glass.
0: Yeah, they did get 16 offensive rebounds. Purdue did in that first one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was part of the equation mm-hmm. down the stretch, uh,
0: and then transition.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough in the Big Ten, you know, even in a game like Iowa, where you figure that both teams want to play fast. Michigan State just didn't get very much, but and Purdue balances the floor well. They're generally pretty disciplined, but somehow Michigan State's got to find a way to get more easy baskets. They just have to, mm. uh,
0: and then turnovers last yeah, one that was uh, tied and, and
2: it's the one it's the one area of Purdue's offense that is not good it's much worse statistically than Michigan State even in this area so it's an area that Michigan State may actually have an advantage and it would be nice to see it show up what you can't have happen if you're MSU is just have one of those 20 turnover days because then it's over then you got no shot um, you got to hope that Purdue is having trouble and that you're having a day where you manage to take care of the ball.
0: Uh, and then at the rim, which we've been talking about I quite a bit lately.
2: Keep saying the same thing over and over and over, but it's true. We did not see it very much against Iowa, and I think they MSU paid for it. Um, I think it was part of several factors, but it was definitely in there as to the reasons why they struggled in that game. Um. Purdue is not... They are not a great rim-protecting team. Edie's the one guy who... You know, he averages a one-shot block a game. It's not like he's Matumbo. Um Michigan State has to find ways to score easier. And that's the best option they've got. Mm-hmm. So we need to see more of an emphasis on that, in my opinion.
0: All right, well... Um... You know, the one thing that's kind of sticking out is it seems like this team, Michigan State, has really seesawed back and forth as far as their defense and offense. Now you look at Ken Palm and they're 99th on offense and 40 on defense. Right. <laughs> so, I but, mean, I think,
2: but I think that does, that does jibe with what they've done since coming back from the COVID layoff. Mm-hmm. You know, defensively, for the most part, they've been okay. Um, they weren't okay against Iowa, but, you know, mostly they've been okay. Offensively, it's been a tremendous struggle. They've had a lot of days where you just, you're just you just not getting anything, and that's mm-hmm. why we're talking about it so much. You know, it's also worth noting that um, there's a couple things that came out about the point guard spot. You and I talked about Rock and Watts not playing in the second half. Well, the reason for that is he was sick. Mm-hmm. that's why he didn't come back in now they ran him through the testing the protocols he's turned out negative which made sense because he actually apparently is one of the guys who had covid in the summer um so thankfully he's not reinfected which is good news not just for him but for the world
1: yeah
2: <laughs> um and uh he's got a flu they say he hasn't practiced but he should be available as of now and then it was disclosed and and this helps me understand a little bit I noticed it happen God I think it might have been in the second half of the Penn State game but they're they're claiming that it was actually before that it might have even been before the break in the first Nebraska game but at some point Foster Lawyer injured his shoulder and it helps understand why the shooting has not been there the way that it was earlier in the season. Um, It it at least helps me to understand why that might be the case. Um, Again, he's going to play. but um, So that explains a little bit on that front, at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, MSU is figuring they're going to have everybody available. That's the plan. Other interesting thing is because of this impending snowstorm that we have here, they were busing to Purdue today. So, they're not going to get caught. They're going to be in West Lafayette. I imagine they're probably in West Lafayette, if not already, very soon. Uh Right. And, um, yeah, and then we'll see how easily they're able to get out of there. Uh, You know, they're talking about, I'm not sure about West Lafayette. In the Detroit area, I know they're talking about the potential for six to 10 inches by tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. So, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be snowy. Um, so probably the right move to, to get out of town when they could. Um, and, and the trip to West Lafayette via bus is not a long one. I think it's about three, three and a half hours, something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so not too
0: bad. Okay. Well, uh, any you know, final thoughts heading into this one?
2: No, I think we've, we've covered it. You know, look, th- this is a, Mackey Arena is a house of horrors historically, say. <laughs> even, even the last two years where you know MSU had really, really you know, big Ten championship teams, they not only got beat, they got kind of flat handled both times. I mean, really run out of there by Purdue. and those were not great Purdue teams mm-hmm. you know, so that goes to show you what kind of building that's been historically. How it'll play out in this game, who knows? But I, I mean, you know, look, MSU for a good portion of that game, well, for the first 20 minutes and change, say the first 22 minutes, didn't, they dominated
0: Purdue. Yeah, yeah.
2: And it got away from them. So they should know that they're capable of handling this team, but Purdue also comes in a much different team in terms of confidence. And I have a feeling. That MSU game is really where it got started. Mm-hmm. So, so, how all that plays in, I, I don't know. Um, but worth keeping
0: in mind. Okay, so uh, this one's tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, seven o'clock on ESPN. Uh, until the post game of that one, the final four is not on schedule. <laughs>